skeletons and shivers down your spine. Shrieking skulls will shock your soul and seal your doom tonight. Spooky, scary skeletons speak with such a screech. You'll shake and shudder in surprise when you hear these zombies shriek. When we were when we were younger, when we were in high school, uh, we played through uh, Silent Hill together. <laughs> That's literally the reason yeah. why I was like, yeah, yeah. oh yeah, oh yeah, he would he would like uh, creep of creepypasta. Yeah, that's definitely right. Yeah, I remember us <laughs> playing Silent Hill Four here. Yeah, and uh, it's like Silent Hill Four is like the perfect blend of like campiness and like actually scary. Yeah, it's bullshit. It's it's, <laughs> it's bullshit. The whole thing's bullshit. And I remember like we we would always talk about that Jenkins guy. Fucking Jenkins. He just wanted his chocolate <laughs> wanted milk. Chocolate milk. You had to go back to your apartment in the real life and get chocolate milk so this entire time i thought we were just making that up that actually happened in the game yes no that's a that's a thing you have to literally like the world is after ending. all this time i've forgotten there are demons coming and you go back to your apartment and open the fridge and like oh i guess i gotta get jacob's chocolate milk and you take your like turkey hill chocolate milk out of the fridge you gotta go back into the demon world. i don't believe you i swear to god that's how that's how I you don't play the game. no look it up you're the kind of person so the reason you're here is because you're the kind of person that could genuinely make me believe something that is completely bullshit while that is a hundred percent true agreed uh, you gotta trust me on this one. And I'm not a gullible person, mind you. I could usually no. read people pretty well. Uh, I never tell when you're being serious. No, I, I try not to let it show. I have to ask, what pseudonym do you want to go by? Oh, God. I didn't even think about that. It's, it's just to protect your identity from all the hashish that's going on oh, right now. You, oh, the, the massive amounts of hashish? Um, I would... Can I use my Skyrim character? Is that... I'm I'm open to hear. I'm li- literally. So, you need a reason and you need a name, and that. So, and I'm o- and every answer will be yes. I want to I want to put a disclaimer on it before I actually tell you the name. Okay. The character is black. But, <laughs> but and I, you are white. But I, right, and I am white. So there's like that element to it. His name is Django Phillips. <laughs> Django? Uh, is it with a D? Yeah, it's with a D. <laughs> I fucking hate you. <laughs> He's a red guard. His name's Jango. Yeah, not, he's the only black person the only, in Skyrim. He's the only black person you could possibly be. And, uh, yeah, it's Django. Django Phillips. <laughs> Do I have to say Django Phillips I every time so, I refer to you? Name. Yeah. Like, he has a very No, but person. you, right now, I have to call you Django Phillips. I would appreciate that. Man. Yeah, okay. I, I mean, I do go by Captain Death just because we can't use our names Captain from, Death is so simple. from the... Pre- well, it's the name I came up with in, like, fucking fifth grade. <laughs> you can kind of tell. So, Captain Death with Django Phillips. <laughs> yeah. Django Phillips. Right. Yeah. Oh, man. That's, that's fucking terrible. Django. Django Phillips here, everyone. Unchanged. So why, this why is we can do it. Lots of pasta. <laughs> lots of little pasta. <laughs> so on this podcast There's no pasta here. I I have some upstairs. Do you, do you want? really? Yeah, I actually do. It's a nice um vodka sauce. I don't want it in retrospect, but I kinda wanted it. This is lots of pasta. We read creepy pastas. Creepy pastas are what's your definition? Creepy pastas are horror store horror stories that are created by your everyman for not even your everyman it's created by your average internet person. your mediocre man you're, <laughs> you're in many ways you're mediocre man and it's for your average internet person and it's just like person on the internet who spends way too much time on the internet being like this is what i find scary maybe you do too 
And then it's like a community. Yeah. It's pretty cool. You know, I don't think I stumbled upon this really until Slenderman. Slenderman was your first. Which started on something awful. Yeah. But it very quickly gained narrative in creepypasta form. I actually have the original story in my uh, list somewhere. I actually completely agree with you because I think I got into it through Slenderman and not even the Slenderman story. I didn't even know about Slenderman and I watched a YouTube video. Marble Hornets. No. See, no. everyone goes Marble Hornets. Great. Well, it's series. just because they're the most. It's, it's the most iconic. That's ju- I actually think it was the first one too. I think you're probably right. Yeah, yeah. But mine was Everyman Hybrid. I I watched those too. <sighs> Fucking awesome. Oh, so good, so good. And and PA. Boys. Big shout out. Big big I, shout out. What's um What's the last one? They're PA boys. Oh no, they're yeah. Yeah. No, I knew they're, that. They're uh, which which makes it so much boys. more like you know it explains for every reason why I was never into sports. <laughs> but now i get it like i'm sh- i'm doing a shout out to like the pa boys that got PA me into fucking of everyman hybrid that got me into fucking spoopy pasta so we both have the same entryway and that's that's cool we that's shared cool. creepy moms can i just say real quick um when i was and, and this is go this is good yeah, this when is- i was like 12 um I didn't know what a screamer was. Everyone who's on the internet knows what a screamer is. It's like, oh, you know, let's um, let's just chill out and like relax. Blah, right? That's the screamer. Yeah, yeah. So um, the the it was the first time I'd ever seen it, and my mom was like, oh, look at this photo of this like apartment, and she's like, mm-hmm. oh my god, there's a ghost by the window. Oh my god, can you find it? I literally <laughs> have my nose against the screen. <laughs> yeah. And the the creepy girl with the huge eyes, the oval eyes, goes blah, and I I broke down. Something inside of my in my body broke that day. It was the trust for your your parents. Well, that was gone a long time ago. Oh, okay. But, but it was like a part of my innocence was shattered, and it was just the most horrifying experience ever. And I love scary stuff. The origins of Django Phillips, everyone. <laughs> the beginning of Django, uh, in a word, screamer. I uh, my first one had to have been third grade, which is relatively late. I just I never I was never really on the internet. Um, as a kid, that was my first screamer, which was uh, the car commercial with oh, the, the zombified German, woman. The yeah. So I had no idea what the fuck w- that what was being said. I wasn't reading it. I didn't yeah. give a shit. I'm just like sitting. I'm not sitting nearly as close, but I'm definitely following this car. And I was a re- I was in a really unsupported chair. And when that zombie (laughs) woman screams, I fucking fell. Like, I fell out of the chair, and I did not forgive my mother. Yeah. To this day. I wouldn't either. That's horrible. Pissed me right the fuck (laughs) off. But it was spoopy, everyone, and that's the point. Spoopy. Spoopy spoopy pasta. So spoopy. Lots of the spoopy pastas. (laughs) So, preface. Lots of pasta. Laying it down. Uh, I hope you're at home by yourself worrying about the man who's looking at you through the window. It's me. No, it's not me. It's not me. It's Django Phillips, everyone. (laughs) He wants you to grab you the closest Hobbit hashish and smoke it. Smoke it quickly and thoroughly and turn off your lights and just fucking get that. um, What's that wearable blanket? A Snuggie. Get a Snuggie. Get the Snuggie that you got for Christmas and never wore. Get that out of your closet. This is the one time you're going to use it, everyone, and it's going to be covered in juices by the end of the night. Oh, that's an active Snuggie. I hope that's washable. Oh, man. (laughs) 
<clears throat> so this is the broken face creepypasta. I sat on my new recliner, wondering what to do. It was the 5th of August, 2012, and a new movie had just come out. It was a crime horror film very similar to The Silence of the Lambs. It was about a very strange serial killer who killed his victims in a strange way, said my friend upon being asked how it was. Until I arrived here at California last week, I lived in Princeton, New Jersey. I'm sorry. Okay. That's... Okay. I felt fatigued after the huge house makeover. I had just gotten some new furniture. My kitchen had its walls painted a very pale shade of blue. My new fridge was seven feet high and had a new feature which told you the temperature inside, which I found rather helpful. It was, a f- it was fun to play with, but nothing got me as overwhelmed as my door. This is a really exciting person. He is so excited that he moved his new fridge. I don't even know if it's a he yet. Ready to go! It had a hole in it resembling the one seen in The Shining during the infamous sequence where Jack Torrance chops down the door with an axe. Mallet in the mir- miniseries and novel. Thank you for the clarification. Yeah, to- I actually, I love the miniseries. I, see, I don't even know the miniseries. You didn't know? No! It's pretty fucking oh. good. That's cool. Alright. To Kill His Wife, Wendy. <laughs> it's my favorite movie and I watched it when I felt bored. There was a ringing noise. Here we go. Ring! At first, I didn't recognize it, but soon realized it was my doorbell. I got up and walked over, opened the door. A tall figure, seven feet high, with a pale face, stood in front of my... Just my... His face was contorted <laughs> in a strange smile, and he was wearing a funny purple jacket with one of those little squirty flowers. Have you ever danced with a demon in the bright moonlight? Isn't that from a Stephen King book? That is. That is. Also from a band concert. From oh. one of our... Yeah, it's fine. He said before throwing back his head and cackling. He ripped off his face before revealing something very familiar looking. His face... That's good. That's a good twist. (laughs) What? Okay. All right. We'll we'll go on. Nice try, Jason. I murmured. He rolled his eyes before ripping off the squirty flower and walking in. I always thought you were some fucking kind of vampire. You couldn't come in, like, unless I invited you. Well, I'm not a vampire. I'm just a maniac, he said. (laughs) It's a funny kid. What a great kid. That joke was from the friggin' 80s. Seriously. Goosebumps, I replied. You merely adopted the 80s. I was born in it, molded by it. I didn't see the 90s till I was a man. By then it was nothing to me. Nothing but blinding, he said, doing the crappiest Bane impersonation ever. That would inform. <laughs> it's just they put it after, so it's like you've already read it. They need that little Bane at the beginning of the sentence, like in Spanish. Yeah, sure. You were fucking born on December 31st, 1989. 1989. What do you mean you were molded by it, he murmured. I think he was trying to do a Jack Nicholson impression again, but he sounded more like a duck being mutilated by a tractor. I see the resemblance. It, it really is. That's where I go when I need my Jack Nicholson impersonation. And you were born on January the 1st, 1990. You didn't exactly adopt the 90s either, I replied. All right, Clark. Can I come in? He asked. I nodded and pointed towards the recliner seat. He sat down, smiling. Thank you. Anyways, he continued, I have received a high-paying job. I am currently 3D modeling people and guns for a game developing company. I just need a little place to stay till my ma comes over. She just needs to see the house I'ma buy before I do so. I got my crap in my car. Should I go get it? <laughs> Should, if I was gonna up until this point, I was gonna I was gonna acknowledge how people don't talk like this. Yeah, yeah, but now they do. Yeah, go right ahead, Jason. Would you like breakfast? Yeah, please. He said before opening my door and walking. Django Phillips, everyone. <laughs> Well, it's it, the end of the sentence informs oh. the rest of the sentence. Yes, please, he said, before opening my door and walking over to his car. His car. I saw his car. It was a beauty. An amphibious one. 
He had sent me a video of him just riding off a coast into the ocean and floating on Instagram yesterday. That's those are the best kinds of it's fucking so cool. story. <laughs> this guy decided to write a story that would change the world. We sat in the kitchen eating our breakfast. I was having the standard American big breakfast, and he was having the old PB&J sandwich minus the J. <laughs> so it's just <laughs> fucking peanut butter! <laughs> just say that! <laughs> God damn it. It was pouring outside. I peeked over to the window. There was an old man limping beside a young child. The window was foggy, and it was kind of hard to see. I looked very closely at the old man and saw he had a dazed expression on his face. Then something very strange began to happen. The old man's head started gaining a tint of green. I personally just thought this was the sun rising, the light, or maybe the rain or something. But then something happened. He stopped limping. Arthur Clark Robert Leporus shouted a voice. Huh? What? Habajibidibi. <laughs> it's in the story. Hab- habity jabity. Habity jabity. <laughs> huh? Habity jabity. <laughs> you were fucking staring at that old Vec for the past 10 minutes, he said in a bad Negro Im- imitation. Well, now. <laughs> Why I- do they put all the cues after? Why would I come out of the black voice for that sentence? The, the way the sentence is meant to, meant yeah, to be written is in a bad Negro imitation, he said. Colon. You were fucking staring at that old Vec for the past 10 minutes. <laughs> Who said anything about old? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's, that's just implied that's where i go but i thought i saw i turned my head again i saw the man not limping and with the green head but something was different i couldn't put my finger on it he raised his hand and put it on the little child's head the child was not more than seven or perhaps eight but that's when he did it he violently thrusted his hand forward snapping the child's neck the child fell to the floor violently groping at his neck before coming to a sudden stop so this person is a reptilian. <laughs> it's a green tint. Oh, the, the green, green tint head. to the green. skin. The green tint to the skin and the ability to snap a neck in a fucking, like a fucking twig. It's so that makes this a reptilian from the subterranean. Oh, <laughs> Holy mother of freaking Jesus, brothers, sisters, wife, mothers-in-law, teacher. Did that old vet just began, Jason? <laughs> he just began like that. He just began. He just began and then he ended right there. But that's when it changed. The boy got up and walked away. I'm fine. That was a good one, I said laughing. <laughs> they certainly got us there. That night, I slept on a bed. On a different bed, but in the same room slept Jason. Jason slept in his underwear like a true weirdo, but I understandably felt stupid doing that. So I slept fully clothed. What <laughs> a fucking nerd. <laughs> I slept well. The rain sounded like a freaking tambourine, but I love the sound of rain, so hey, what could I say? It's, and the hay is spelled like the hay for, for like horses. Like goddamn horse hay. <laughs> the room got surprisingly hot and my clothes stuck to me, making me feel like a glue stick. <laughs> it's because you're sleeping in your fucking clothes with your shoes on! <laughs> I decided to keep my cloak on for sleeping. <laughs> I'm gonna need a glass of water, said Jason, <laughs> for no freaking reason at 2.30 a.m. Okay, I said. I slept, but all I could think about was the strange child and the old man I saw earlier. At one point, I almost drifted asleep before waking up with a jolt. About 30 minutes passed, and Jason wasn't up yet. 40 minutes passed. 50 minutes passed. He's fucking counting. He's He's just counting his watch. Jason, I screamed. Jason Ryan Brady, are you alive? It should have been a rhetorical question. Should have. No, he isn't said a strange raspy voice haha <laughs> jason very funny acting it is not jason but i the one and only all right jason that's fucking it i said laughing 
I hopped down the stairs and turned on the light. It flickered, making me dazed. I hated being epileptic. There was Jason lying on the dining table. His legs were cut off, blood dripping out from the gory little stubs, bones tearing out of his arm, and a pillowcase on his face. His stomach was sliced open with a knife pushed in it by a very strange man. The old man. With a green face. He stood about five feet tall with a black tuxedo and a dirty tie. He had blue jeans on. We've all been waiting for you. Yes, indeed, we have been waiting for you. He raised his fist and smashed it into his face, which shattered like into pieces. The pieces fell on the floor before fading away like a salt crystal in a glass of wine. That went- this is this is a reptilian. The reptilian is Alan Cumming. Because <laughs> that's exactly who you fucking sounded like. Floop. Yeah. I, I, I love the ambition of this guy. The author? I'd like to call it the Down Syndrome Poetic. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he had a lot to say, and he didn't care if he said it or not. He just put pen to paper, and he was hey. like, hey. Django Phillips, everyone. <laughs> oh, nice and smooth. <coughs> Lots of pasta. We just read, um... What the fuck was it even called? Um, I moved to Phoenix, Arizona, and there's an old man, and I have a new fridge that tells me the temperature of the fridge inside the thing, and the old man has a green face, but it was just my friend, the black man. <laughs> That's that what the, it was called. That was the title, yeah. I hated it. <laughs> Whatever it was. It was rough. It was bad. I just got the idea. We're going to start the search and rescue stories. Mm. I fucking, when I found these, they sounded so fucking cool. And I think I have like 60 pages of them, so we'll just switch off telling these fucking search and rescue stories for a little bit. Yeah, that works. That works. That's okay. That's cool. Django Phillips has retreated into his anus. <gasps> I just got so excited, I puckered up. It's good. The, these are relatively short. They're like a page each. Oh, they're cool. So these search and rescue stories, they're part of a Tumblr, but for the beginning of, I think, like four years ago, for Reddit No Sleep, like in its beginnings, like this guy's posts were like the fucking cream of the crop. Like people followed this shit like to their death and like it continued onward. Uh, it got like an afterlife on Tumblr and it became its own Tumblr. And... um I think this guy even fucking published a book using these fucking stories. Honestly. Um, they are search and rescue stories from the U.S. Forest Service. It ranges from, like, missing kid report to, like, weird fucking creature in the woods. No fucking clue what it is. Fucking creeped out of my mind. Bigfoot. It's Bigfoot. Bigfoot, he says. It's Bigfoot. It's always Bigfoot. So, I'm going to read the first one. It goes a little something like this. I have a pretty good track record for finding missing people. Most of the time they just wander off the path or slip down a small cliff and they can't find their way back. The majority of them have heard the old stay where you are thing and they don't wander. But I've had two cases where that didn't happen. Both bother me a lot and I use them as motivation to search even harder on the missing persons cases I get called on. The first was a little boy who was out berry picking with his parents. He and his sister were together, and both of them went missing around the same time. Their parents lost sight of them for a few seconds, and in that time, both the kids apparently wandered off. When their parents couldn't find them, they called us, and we came out to search the area. We found the daughter pretty quickly, and when we asked where her brother was, she told us that he'd been taken away by the bear man. 
She said he gave her berries and told her to stay quiet, that he wanted to play with her brother for a while. The last she saw of her brother, he was riding on the shoulders of the bear man and seemed calm. Of course, our first thought was abduction, but we never found a trace of another human being in that area. The little girl was also insistent that he wasn't a normal man, but that he was tall and covered in hair like a bear, and that he had a weird face. The person is famous author George R.R. Martin of the Game and Throw series. What a twist! (laughs) (laughs) So, we searched that area for weeks. It was one of the longest calls I've ever been on, but we never found a single trace of that kid. (laughs) The other was a young woman who was out hiking with her mom and grandpa. According to the mother, her daughter had climbed up a tree to get a better view of the forest, and she'd never come back down. They waited at the base of the tree for hours, calling her name before they called for help. Again, we searched everywhere, and we never found a trace of her. I have no idea where she could possibly have gone, because neither her mother or grandpa saw her come down. He's an old-ass dude, though. So, like, literally, she could have fallen out of the tree, broken her neck, and he'd be like, yeah, didn't she ever come down? I never saw it. She's still up in the tree. <laughs> just <laughs> just like, in denial? Yeah. I don't fucking know, dude. Or, like, it's George R. R. Martin. He was like, I'll never fucking end it. You don't, you don't fucking believe me. I'll fucking, I'll, I'll, I'll fucking drain these balls and I'll fucking die, and you'll never fucking know. Season twelve, here we come. <laughs> it's, it's like the HBO is sick of his shit. Season, they're, they're like, they're like, we're done at season eight. You can keep writing fucking books. We don't give a shit. <laughs> All right. So you, you want to read the next yeah, one, Django we'll Phillips? I was teamed up with another search and rescue officer because we'd received reports of bears in the area. We were looking for a guy who hadn't come home um, from a climbing trip when he was supposed to, and we ended up having to do some serious climbing to get where we figured he'd be. We found him trapped in a small crevice with a broken leg. It was not pleasant. He'd been there for almost two days, and his leg was very obviously infected. We were able to get him to a chopper, and I heard from one of the EMTs that the guy was absolutely inconsolable. He kept talking about how he'd been doing fine, and when he got into the top, a man had been there. He said the guy had no climbing equipment, and he was wearing a parka and ski pants. He walked up to the guy, and when the guy turned around, he said he had no face. It was just blank. He freaked out, and ended up trying to get off the mountain too fast, which is why he'd fallen. He said he could hear the guy all night, climbing down the mountain and letting out these horrible muffled screams. The story bothered the hell out of me. I'm glad I wasn't there to hear it. The no-faced person is Slenderman fucking skiing. <laughs> skiing for the holiday. I like that this is lots of pasta explained by Captain Death. But the rest the rest I can say is entirely up to just finding the bullshit and doing it. One of the scariest things I've ever had... This is the next one, I'm sorry. I just kind of ran into it. This is the next fucking log from the Search and Rescue stories. I'm just going to keep fucking going. One of the scariest things I've ever had happen to me involved the search for a young woman who'd gotten separated from her hiking group. We were out until late at night because the dogs had picked up her scent. When we found her, she was curled up under a large, rotted log. She was missing her shoes and pack, and she was clearly in shock. She didn't have any injuries, and we were able to get her to walk with us back to base ops. Along the way, she kept looking behind us and asking us, that big man with black eyes, 
was following us. We couldn't see anyone, so we just wrote it off as some weird symptom of shock. But the closer we got to the base, the more agitated this woman got. She kept asking me to tell him to stop making faces at her. At one point, she stopped and turned around and started yelling into the forest, saying that she didn't want him to leave her alone. She wasn't going to go with him, she said, and she wouldn't give us to him. We finally got her to keep moving, but we started hearing these weird noises coming from all around us. It was almost like coughing. (coughs) Cougher! (laughs) It was Team Rocket. It was almost like coughing, but more rhythmic and deeper. It was almost insect-like. I don't really know how else to describe it. When we were within sight of base ops, the woman turns to me, and her eyes are about as wide as I can imagine a human could possibly open them. She touches my shoulder and says, He says to tell you to speed up. He doesn't like looking at the scar on your neck. I have a very small scar on the base of my neck, but it's mostly hidden under my collar, and I have no idea how this woman saw it. Right after she says it, I hear that weird coughing right in my ear, and I just about jumped out of my skin. I hustled her to ops, trying not to show how freaked out I was. But I have to say, I was really happy when we left the area that night. Shit. The voice was... Crystal Meth. It was Crystal Meth. So the next search and rescue story, Django Phillips. As far as missing persons go, I'd say about half the calls I get are related to that. The others are rescue calls. People who fall down cliffs and hurt themselves get injured by fire. You wouldn't believe how often this happens, mostly drunk kids. Get bitten or stung by animals or insects. We're a tight team, and we have veterans who are excellent at finding signs of lost people. That's what makes these cases where we never find any trace of them so frustrating. One in particular was upsetting for all of us, because we did find a trace of them, but it just led to more questions than answers. An older man had been hiking alone on a well-established trail, but his wife called to say that he hadn't come home when he should have. Apparently he had a history of seizures, and she was worried that he hadn't taken his medication and suffered one out on the trail. Now before you ask, I have no idea why he thought it was okay to go out alone, or why she didn't go with him. I don't ask about that kind of thing, because past a certain point, it really doesn't matter. Someone is missing, and it's my job to find them. We went out in a standard search formation, and it wasn't long before one of our vets found signs that the guy had gone off the trail. We grouped up and followed him, spreading out in a fan to make sure we were covering as much ground as possible. Suddenly a call comes over the radio, telling us all to head back to the vet's location, and we come right away, because this usually means the missing person is, is, is injured and we need a full team to get them out of safely. We meet back up, and the vet is just standing at the base of a tree with his hands on the sides of his head. I ask my buddy what's going on, and he points up into the branches of this tree. He's doing the mamba. <laughs> he was stuck in the Y formation of the YMZA. <laughs> I almost couldn't believe what I was seeing, but there's a walking stick dangling from a branch at least 30 feet off the ground. The little strap thing on the handle has been looped around the branch, and it's just hanging there. There's no way the guy could have tossed it up that far, and we don't see any other signs that he's still in the area. We call up into the tree, but it's obvious no one's in it. We're all sort of just left scratching our heads. And we keep searching for the guy, but we never find him. We even bring our canines out, but they lose his scent long before the tree. Eventually, the search is called off, because there are other calls we have to attend to, and past a certain point, there's not much we can do. The guy's wife called us every day for months, asking if we found her husband, and it was heartbreaking to hear her get more and more hopeless each time. I'm not sure why this call in particular was so upsetting, 
but I think it was just the sheer improbability of it. That and the questions that were raised. How the hell had this guy's cane ended up there? Did someone kill him and toss it up there as some kind of weird trophy? We did our best to find him, but it was almost like a taunt. We still talk about that one from time to time. And the one thing that this guy has, which a lot of creepypasta writers don't have, is restraint. Like, there's a lot of restraint in all these stories. So it's not like, oh, the cane's stuck in the tree, and then something horrible pops out with four eyes, and it's like, oh, it has knives for hands. Yeah, and it never, and I'm telling you right now, none of these stories even yeah. fucking get like that. Yeah, the weirdest they get, and I don't know if I, we're going to get to it in this episode, is um, the weirdest fucking thing they do is just describe finding stairs in the middle of the forest. Like stone stairs? Full stairs. It's become a fucking thing in his stories. Like, like, like they were picked or... up out of someone's basement. Like, yeah, I think it goes up a, a, a flight and a half and just fucking in the middle of nowhere. I like that. It's a, it's awesome, it's but I don't thing. believe it for a fucking oh, second. No, no. So, <laughs> like, like, no human has fucking inhabited some of these areas. Yeah. And, like, there are huge forests out there that I would never believe it. But for some reason, when this guy talks about it, it's fucking awesome. It is. They're good stories. I, so this is the next one. Uh, I, I really don't know if we're, we're going to get to the stairs today. Um but we're we're just going to keep trucking through. Missing kids are the most heartbreaking. Doesn't matter what circumstances they go missing under, it's never easy, and we always, always dread the ones we find deceased. It's not common, but it does happen. David Polides talks a lot about kids' search and rescue teams find in places they shouldn't be or couldn't be. I can honestly say I've heard about this kind of thing happening more than I've seen it, but I'll share one of the ones that I think about a lot that I witnessed personally. A mother and her three kids were out for a picnic in an area of the park that has a small lake. One is six, one is five, and the other is about three. She's watching them all really closely, and according to her, she never lets them out of her sight at any time. She never saw anyone else in the area either, which is important. She packs their stuff up, and they start to head back to the parking area. Now, this lake is only about two miles into the woods, and it's on a very clearly established trail. It's almost impossible to get lost getting getting from the parking area to it, unless you're deliberately going off the path like an imbecile like an idiot <laughs> it's written by napoleon dynamite her kids why there are no liars in this story her kids are walking in front of her when she t- hears what sounds like someone coming up the path behind her she turns around and in the four or so seconds she's not looking her five-year-old son vanishes she figures he stepped off the trail to pee or something and she asks her other two where he went They both tell her that a big man with a scary face came out of the woods next to them, took the kid's hand, and led him into the trees. The two remaining kids don't seem upset. In fact, she says later that it seems like they've been drugged. They're sort of spacey and fuzzy. I wish I knew what that felt like. This is going to be Michael Jackson. It's going to turn out to be Michael scary face You're so, they didn't say harry this time i take it back a man with a scary face scary is face. most definitely michael jackson they seem spacey and fuzzy like they've been drugged it's michael jackson you're drinking by fucking kool-aid 
Oh, that's ignorant. Oh, that's so ignorant. Why would you say that? <laughs> so, of course, she freaks out, starts looking frantically in the area for her kid. She's screaming his name. And she says at one point she thinks she's heard him answer her. She's screaming his name. And she says at one point she thinks she heard him answer her. Now, obviously, she can't go blindly running into the woods. She's got the other two kids. So she calls the police, and they send us out immediately. We respond, and we start the search for him. Over the course of this search, which spans miles, we never find a single trace of the kid. Canines can't pick up the scent, and we don't find any clothing or broken bushes or literally anything that would signify a child being there. Of course, there's suspicion about the mother for a while, but it's pretty clear that she completely just she's completely destroyed by the whole thing. We looked for the kid for weeks with a lot of volunteer help, but eventually the search peters out and we have to move on. Volunteers keep searching, though, and one day we get a call on the radio letting us know that a body has been found and needs to be recovered. They tell us the location and none of us can believe it. We figure it has to be a different kid. But we go out there, about 15 miles from the site where he vanished, and sure enough, we find the body of the kid we've been looking for. I've been trying to figure out how this kid got where he did ever since we found him, and I've never come up with an answer. A volunteer just happened to be in the area because he figured he might as well look in places no one would think to on the off chance that a body had been dumped. He comes to the base of a tall, rocky slope, and halfway up, he sees something. He looks through his binoculars, and sure enough, it's the body of a little boy stuffed in a little opening in the rock. He recognizes the color of the kid's shirt, so he knows right away that it's the missing boy. That's when he calls it in, and we're dispatched. It took us almost an hour to get his body down, and none of us could believe what we were seeing. Not only was, was this kid... 15 miles away from where he started, there was no possible way he could have gotten up there on his own. This slope is treacherous, and it's hard even for us without climbing gear. A five-year-old boy had no way of getting up there, and that I'm certain. Not only that, but the kid doesn't have a scratch on him. His shoes are gone, but his feet aren't... His feet... <laughs> his feet... His feet aren't damaged or dirty so it wasn't as if an animal dragged him up there. And from what we can tell, he hasn't been dead that long. He'd been out there for over a month by that point, and it looked like he'd only been dead for, at most, a day or two. The whole thing was unbelievably strange, and it was one of the most disconcerting calls I've ever been on. We found out later that the coroner determined the kid had died from exposure. He'd frozen to death, probably late at night, two days before we found him. There were no suspects and no answers. To date, it's one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. Brat. Brat. It's Michael Jackson. It is. It's MJ. I come and put your boy up in a mountain. Let me just take your shoes. I'm just gonna take your shoes, okay? You're gonna be fine. <laughs> it's it. And the little boy died. That was the first one I had actually read. When, oh, I was, okay. when I was going through them. That was the one that clinched me, yeah. and I went back and found the beginning and just copied fucking everything. Yeah. Lots of fucking material. You got a lot of material. Yeah. I think wow. like 80 pages. Something along something along like 80 pages. Of your... Of search and rescue stories right. out of 
out of all of this. And someone was so inspired by the way that these were written that they did a companion thing called like um, Confessions of a Deep Sea Diver and actually sounded really cool. Yeah. No, it's a good frame. Totally fucking fake, but sounded awesome. (laughs) It's a good way to set up the story. It's a good way to pump the content up. I like it. Oh, yeah. question. You yeah. Ask question. Yeah. Question. Ask, Super, ask like, small. Ask question. Small. It's just a little question. Have you played Firewatch? No, I don't play games anymore. I don't fucking have time. I work and I sleep and I go to school and I just it. I hate it because I'm so broke. I can't afford games and I'm left playing Skyrim re- again for this eighth time. Django Phillips. Django Phillips. Have everyone. you done a red guard in Skyrim? No, I don't. I think you need to make a red guard. Do you know what I think his name should be? <laughs> Let's see if you can guess. <laughs> is it Django Phillips? Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> <should>. Live on. <laughs> oh, so live vicariously through Django Phillips, everyone. Is this me? Yeah, you could take the next one. <clears throat> next log. One of my first jobs is a trainee was a search op for a four-year-old kid that had gotten separated from his mom. This was one of those cases where we knew we were going to find him because the dogs were on a strong scent trail and we saw clear signs that he was in the area. We ended up finding him in a berry patch about a half a mile from where he'd last been seen. Kid wasn't even aware that he wanted that far. One of the vets brought him back, which I was glad for because I'm not that really good with kids, and I find it hard to talk to them and keep them company. As my trainer and I are headed back, she decides to take me on a detour to show me one of the hot spots where we tend to find missing people. It's a natural dip in the land near a popular trail, and people usually move downhill because it's easier. We hike out there. It's a few miles away. We get there in about an hour or so. As we're walking around the area and she's pointing out places she's found people in the past, I see something in the distance. Now, this area we're in is is about eight miles from the main parking area. There's back roads you can take to get closer if you don't want to hike that far. But we're on state protected land, which means there can't be any kind of commercial or residential development out here. The most you'll ever see is a fire tower or makeshift shelter that homeless people think they can get away with building. But I can see from here that whatever this thing is has straight edges. And if there's one thing you learn quickly, it's that nature rarely makes straight lines. I point it out, but she doesn't say anything. She just hangs back and lets me wander over and check it out. I get within 20 feet of it, and all the hair on the back of my neck stands up. It's a staircase. I fucking told you, man. I love this. It's a staircase in the middle of the fucking woods. In the proper context, it would literally be the most benign thing ever. It's just a normal staircase with beige carpet and about 10 steps tall. But instead of being in a house where it obviously should be, it's out here in the middle of the woods. The sides aren't carpeted, obviously, and I can see where the I can see the wood it's made of. It's almost like a video game glitch, where the house has failed to load completely and the stairs are the only thing visible. I stand there, it's like my brain is working overtime just to try and make sense of what I'm seeing. My trainer comes and stands next to me, and she just stands there casually, looking at it as if it's the least interesting thing in the world. I ask her what the fuck this thing is doing here, and she just chuckles. Get used to it, rookie, you're gonna see a lot of them. I start to move closer, but she grabs my arm. Hard. I wouldn't do that, she says. Her voice is casual, but her grip is tight, and I just stand there looking at her. You're going to see them all the time, but don't go near them. 
Don't touch them. Don't go up them. Just ignore them. And don't feed them past midnight. I start to ask her about it, but something in the way she's looking at me tells me that's it's for the best if I don't. We end up moving on, and the subject doesn't come up again for the rest of my training. She was right, though. I'd say about every fifth call I go on, I end up running across a set of stairs. Sometimes they're relatively close to the path, maybe within two or three miles. Sometimes they're 20, 30 miles out, literally in the middle of nowhere, and I only find them during the broadcast searches or training weekends. They're usually in good condition, but sometimes it looks like they've been out there for miles. All different kinds, all different sizes. The biggest I ever saw looked like he came out of a turn-of-the-century mansion, and they were 10 feet wide with steps leading at least 15 or 20 feet. I've tried talking about it with people, but they just give me the same response my trainer did. It's normal, don't worry about them, they're not a big deal, don't go close to them, or go up them. When trainees ask me about it now, I give them the same response. I don't really know what else to tell them. I'm really hoping someday I get a better answer, but it hasn't happened yet. How do you feel about that? Any suspension of disbelief I had that this guy was a real search and rescue has, has gone out the window with every fifth call I find stairs. <laughs> every fifth call, there's stairs. I'm like walking into my bed and I just hit stairs. There's stairs everywhere. I went to the post office. I was mailing a letter. The post officer guy was a stairs. He was just stairs. Like, what the shit? There's not that many stairs. So the only context <laughs> I could actually compare this to is like the concrete steps you find of like a dilapidated building in the middle of nowhere. And like there's one down near the fucking hockey um trail. Yeah. There's a couple. But like that's very close to civilization, very close to other houses. Yeah. Like it is very clear that they tried putting a house here and the right. land just fucking wouldn't have it. This, and yeah. this is like fully carpeted, fully like carpeted. like <laughs> they were just made yesterday. Come and get your fucking tree stairs. <laughs> if you can guess the tree stairs priced within a cent, you get free tree stairs. Come on down. Stairs. Hi, my name's Barbara. I'm from the Midwest. Uh, I'm a housewife and I love stairs. Oh, Bob, I love stairs so much. You came to the right place. So, yeah, like these fucking stairs, I just, uh, when I came across, like, that was probably the second thing I read. And I was just like, it's kind of cool. It's not entirely bullshit. It's kind of funny. I will say it is cool to have a calling card in, like, every episode. Like, like, you know, the one feature of your stories is that there's stairs in them. Like, that's cool. And it and it comes back around. Yeah, you know, Absolutely. like when when other rangers tell stories, they they add something new to the to like the idea. Um, it's a very interesting continuation. Um, yeah. This is going to be the last one. This is the last log I have of this section, I believe. Is there anything you wanted to add, Django Phillips? Stairs, man. I fell down them the other week. Did you really? Yeah, I hurt my hip pretty bad. Why would you do that? I was carrying a lot of shit sliding all over those wooden floors. Just imagine him surfing down my stairs. Fuck! Yeah, that was me. Last log search and rescue stories. This is another one that was less spooky and more sad. A young woman went missing late in winter when realistically no one should be going that far out onto the trails. We close a lot of them, 
but some remain open year-round, unless there's a shitload of snow. We did an op for him, but we had about six feet of snow on the ground. It was an unusually heavy snow this year, and we knew it wasn't likely that we'd find him until spring when the thaw came. Surely enough, when the first big thaw came, a hiker reported a body a little ways off the main trail. We found him at the base of a tree, and a pile of melted snow. I knew right away what had happened, and it scared the living shit out of me. Most of you who ski or snowboard, or spend any amount of time on a mountain, will probably have guessed too. When snow falls, it doesn't collect as thick in the areas beneath the branches. It happens most with fir trees, because they have a sort of closed umbrella shape. So what you end up with is a space around the base of a tree that's filled with a mixture of loose, powdery snow, air, and branches. They're called tree wells, and they're not immediately obvious if you don't know what you're looking for. We put up signs in the Welcome Center, big ones, letting people know how dangerous they are, but every, every year that we get an unusual amount of snow, at least one person doesn't read them, or doesn't take the warning seriously, and we find out about it in the spring. My best guess is that this young man was hiking and got tired, or maybe a cramp from walking in the deep snow. He went to go sit at the base of a tree, not knowing that there was a tree well and fell in. He got stuck with his feet up and the surrounding snow caved in around him. Unable to free himself, he suffocated. It's called snow immersion suffocation. No shit! (laughs) And it doesn't usually happen Except in really deep snow. (laughs) You don't fucking say! (laughs) But if you get stuck in a weird position, like this guy did, even six feet of snow can be lethal. Even six feet. You wouldn't think six feet. No. The size of a human would be As tall as I am in snow form. What scared me the most was imagining how he must have struggled. Upside down, in the freezing cold, he didn't die quickly. The snow would have formed a dense, heavy pile on top of him, and it would have been literally impossible to get out. As it got harder to breathe, he would have known what was happening. I can't even imagine what he was thinking in the last moments. Did you see that movie Grey? This is kind of like that movie Grey. I love Liam Neeson. (laughs) Why didn't I listen to my wife and just go see it by myself? Can I ask a question about that story? Sure. Why is he upside down? I missed it. Because <laughs> they're, they're implying he went to go sit under a tree. Yeah. In and a snow well. No, but up against, you don't see the snow well. Right. You go to sit next to a tree and you just sit and your butt falls through that tree well and your legs go up over your head and you just sink down into so the fucking a, hole. Ass over tea kettle. <laughs> yeah, just like the old, just like the old saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was literally picturing him like bent over with his legs up in the air, like he was waiting for someone, like he was gonna have a romantic. Where's my well? Right. I that was I was picturing, like him, like with his head stuck in a tree, with his legs <laughs> behind him, like an ostrich. Yes, yes. Like how an ostrich hides. Like I was like, is it a gravity well? How is he getting upside down? 
That makes so much more sense. Oh, fuck. That's hilarious. That makes way more sense. Oh, my God. So that um, that was all of Las- Lots of Pastas. So that was all we have on Lots of Pasta. We, we, we are over time. I'm full. I'm full of pasta. So much. I'll so spooped much. out. Gotta go spoop it out in the toilet later. Spoop it out. I'm a... I'm Django Phillips. He is Django Phillips, everyone. Lots of pasta.